Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We welcome you all to a Roll to Cast RPG podcast in the world of Cyberpunk 2020 by Mike Ponsmith. Starring Ellen Graham as Cassie Glass, Sean Flo as Junk, and Christopher Bond as Uncle Bob. Story, refereeing, and additional rules by Phil Harker-Smith. Design by Jack Sumner. Music by Paul Goodman. This is Going Mainstream. Welcome to episode zero of Cyberpunk 2020 Going Mainstream. Um, I am the referee, I'm Phil, and with me is... Ellen. Playing... As Cassie Glass. And... Uh, I'm Chris, I'm playing Uncle Bob. Nice. (laughs) I'm Sean and I'm playing Junk. Okay, uh, uh, Ellen, what, what, um, can you tell us also what uh, career your character is as well? Career, I'm a rocker. Rocker nice. girl, rocker boy, whatever you want to call it. Just a rocker <laughs> in general. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we can be gender neutral I here think we should. in the future. <laughs> yeah, just rockers. Yeah. I don't see gender, so. No, it's very nice of you. <laughs> uh, so I'm, uh, Uncle Bob is a media man. Nice. He is a media career path. And and Mr. Junk, or just Junk, is... Just Junk f- to you. Just, just, junk, just Junk to you, thank <laughs> you very much. Mr. Junk was my father. <laughs> to your friends. <laughs> junk Senior. Yeah, friends right. call me Junk. <laughs> is a fixer. Mr. Fixer Man. Nice. Ah. Um, so, yeah, as I said before, I'm the referee of the game. Uh, I've uh, come up with a campaign, uh, and so it's a custom campaign set in 
Night City, which is one of the core locations in the Cyberpunk 2020 lore. Uh, so I guess I'll start with a little bit about cyberpunk itself um, uh, as a genre. I'll have a quick chat about that and what it means to us. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'll kick that off with myself. Uh, I guess my favourite cyberpunk bits of media are Blade Runner, yep. both the 80s film and the more recent one with Ryan Gosling. Uh, and in games, I would have to say it's got to be the Deus Ex series, particularly the modern ones, uh, all about... Uh, transhumanism and the potential of humankind. That's one of the things that really appeals to to me about cyberpunk is the potential uh, for what humans can be. And the other aspect I really like is the uh, division between uh, the haves and haves not, because I feel it's it's basically an extrapolation of the world we live in today. Oh. Wasn't uh, any different in the eighties. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't <laughs> it's feel the much same different. Same problem now. Ellen, what's your kind of favorite bit of of cyberpunk media? Ooh, that's a good one. I mean, you've already said Blade Runner. Um, you can say sh- it too. <laughs> <laughs> We're all I'll say Blade Runner. <laughs> I mean, obviously Blade Runner. I feel like it has some a bit of icky dynamics that yeah. it's not quite dealt with, which I feel is right for like the world of cyberpunk it is very like if you imagine ronald reagan's 80s america that's that's the place that this like awful this it's it's a really gritty world with not a lot of hope in it which is kind of reflecting of the time and i think where we are now so i'm really interested in the socio-political themes my favorite cyberpunk medium is probably concept album by my chemical romance uh, it's actually set in 2019, the year we are what? now. <laughs> and it's got the true lives of the fabulous killjoys. And it is very, uh, it's got the Mad Max influence. It's got, you know, wasteland in the desert. It's also got a, a big youth culture, which I think is really important yeah. for 80s cyberpunk. You know, it's a whole thing of the kids are now taken, trying to take back what little control they've got yet left. And like, this isn't a world for old people. The, the older generation has kind of fucked it. Now yeah. we're taking back in the way that we can and it's very stylish over substance. Um, and there's also a really cool supplementary thing for that where they take where those characters have been and they take a little bit in the future and that's a comic book. It's also co- called True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys. I very much recommend. That's cool. Gerard Way, isn't it? It is Gerard, it is Gerard Way. Way. He's a yeah. really good comic book artist and there's some really good themes about the, the main thing that I'm really jazzed about for cyberpunk is ownership of the body. Yeah. When we start trading out parts and also especially since the world is now o- owned by corpse, it's a bit hard to feel like the corpse also don't own our bodies. We're kind of yeah. renting out parts as well. So uh, we will get to characters a bit more detail in, in the future uh, mm-hmm. as and a little bit, a bit further down the line, but uh, Cassie, mm-hmm. uh, your character, she had uh, a hand mutilated, right? Yeah. And she replaced that. Yep. And so that that trading out body part also represents a kind of a point of personal history yeah, as well. Yeah, a turning point for her yeah. and a reminder of her trauma at the same time. Yeah, so. Chris. Uh, so I like the Deus Ex games. Mm. Um, I think that's the big one. Uh, Akira! Akira! <laughs> Akira! <laughs> you can't say it without you, you can yeah, have to kind of shouting it. You have the weird yeah. um, like, music and, in the background. And I love Transmetropolitan. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about Transmet because it's very uh, kind of important to the influence of your character. Yeah, that's right. So it uh, features a Hunter S. Thompson character, a Gonzo journalist. It, it's, it's a set of comic books. Yeah, it's a set so of comic yeah. Firstly, it's a set of comic books and it's a, it features a man named Spider Jerusalem who's based on Hunter S. Thompson who's a interviewer and uh, a, a, a 
article writer. A gonzo uh, journalist. A gonzo journalist. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's about power. Uh, it's set in the... I can't remember what year it's set in, but uh, I think further than the cyberpunk setting. Mm. Um, it's quite far into the future, but it's kind of post... Or uh, in some areas, post-morality. So, like, long pig is, like, freely available on the streets. You just, like, grab a stick of human feet. Human meat. Yeah, and just, just start eating. <laughs> nom, nom, nom. Um, some so people might not be familiar with the term long pig. That's right, long pig. That's right. Too right. <laughs> and, and, fa- and fair enough. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, uh, I, I, for me, cyberpunk... The themes that really interest me are about government control, mm-hmm. um, about kind of widespread conspiracies, um, paranoia, and a unequal status system. Cool. Those, yeah. those are the big things about shaking up the system and uh, that system being an oppressive, uh, unhumanizing, like de- yeah, dehumanizing. Uh, dehumanizing, kind of washing you gray. Well, one thing I really like about um, those comic books, the Transmetropolitan comic books, is not only the, the great character stuff that's in them, uh, Spider's a brilliant character, but there's some really detailed panels that sh- just show off the world. Mm. The crazy crowds, like the thick with all kinds of different people, sprouting all kinds of different kind of modifications, and then the detail on the streets, the the... The rubbish piled up, the graffiti, mm. the squalor is really like brought to life and it's really punchy in that comic book. Mm. There's a great part in it where uh, a bunch of gang, a gang is roving around and they're reading people's genetic code uh, and they're beating people up for what they think are like impurities, impurities yeah. basically. Wow. So it's like yeah. it, people are still trash. They're just using technology to be trash. Yeah, you know, like they're still... Tra- they're, yeah, exactly. Um, to define so, their trash. To define their trash. So it's, it's, it's more racist, you know. Yes. It's, it's about your genetic code. Yeah. Um, moving on. Moving on. Racism. Sure. Right for comedy. <laughs> Sean, uh, what about you and your relationship to cyberpunk? It's interesting. We have a very estranged relationship. Um, or more so. I don't, we don't speak to each other you anymore. We dated once. It was a bit ugly. Look, we tested the waters. It didn't work out. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really have much of a history with cyberpunk. Mm. That's actually probably what excites me the most. Like, I am a sci-fi boy, but other than that, like, I know you're more on the kind of hard sci-fi. We've we talked about this. Yeah, in, yeah, definitely. Whereas I'm, I'm, I, I, my history is more in kind of more the popcorny, um, kind of sci-fi, mm. but space opera, yeah, and fantasy sci-fi. I like me some Star Wars. I like yeah. me some Firefly. Yeah. But you know, I, I think the most recent thing is I've been pushing. I mean, more on a generalized scale, I've been pushing for a. A D and D campaign for ages on this podcast, and yeah. and rightfully so. You're like, no. Um, <laughs> and then when you thought, okay, what about Cyberpunk? And I started looking at the, especially the game tra- the gameplay trailers for the 2077 that's coming out, and I thought, yeah. well, fuck, this is rad. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's such a great world. I got so jazzed on those trailers. I gotta say, like, I yeah. understand why people are already cosplaying and just like, it's it's the same thing we were talking about with. Um, you know, Transmetropolitan and Blade Runner and Ghost in the Machine, it's just like people fall in love with this world. Mm. Even though it's not something that you... It's not nice. No. (laughs) But people just love to imagine, like, the detail and get really in there with their nails. It's it's fun. It's juicy. It's crunchy. Um, do, you, do you have any other, like, do you, have you played Deus Ex or anything like that? No, that's the thing. I haven't actually played a lot of uh, cyberpunk video games. I haven't consumed a lot of media. You were the one that introduced me to Akira. Um, <laughs> we did a little showing when we were talking Akira. about that. So, like, I, I'm, I'm a baby when it comes to this. And that, that's more what excites me. I think what does kind of get me going for this game, especially, and cyberpunk in general, is that kind of feeling of 
everything's in the now and everything's mm. immediate. There is yeah. not really much of a tight and nostalgic looking back or making too many future plans because you can't think long term in this yeah. in this life. So it's just kind of about it's not me. The world yeah. It's now. not me at all. <laughs> I'm well, very much not that person. Especially these characters, right? The people who are at the heart of 2020, the, the, the role-playing game, are punks. That's where the original kind of name comes from. Mm. These guys who are punks, who are edge runners, they're called, who who don't have a lot of future unless they carve one out. Yeah. Um, whereas we now we now think of cyberpunk as more applied to the world, um, is as as the the setting. But I think it's worth thinking about keeping focused on the people in that mm. world. Yeah. And being able to to become them and think in that in that. Uh, uh, way where they're close 100%. to hundred percent. Keep think, the and punk in cyberpunk, man. Yeah, <laughs> and the other thing as well is that <laughs> I've just always loved it, especially in the eighties when there was an imagining of what thirty years in the future was going to look yeah, like. Yeah, twenty twenty's next year. This we're not even. I, we, was watching, <laughs> I was watching Escape from New York about halfway through it recently, and I think it's set like. 1994 or something. <laughs> Good autumn. Yeah. It's like you see the title card and it says like 1994 now and you're like, no. Yes, yes, Kurt Russell. There's one thing I do love about cyberpunk and it's the stuff that's inched into our world now. Yeah. And a lot of, because the influences that they took to make the world were already there, like in their sure. nascent stages. Um, but like, because a lot of things are borrowed from, um, you know, Japanese, Korean culture, Chinese culture, especially because China is such a huge conglomerate. Like, yeah, I think globalism as well is something yeah. that they predicted in a way yeah, really that not many other yeah. Yeah. Uh, media did. And yeah. when I think a lot about how the world, like, you know, and, and people in China have to deal with smog all the time, so those face masks, like, yeah. they say it's a daily thing. And, and you know, the characters in in cyberpunk, they have to deal with acid rain. Like, yeah. you know, it's on the forecast. It's like, ugh. I Man, I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> oh, gotta bring oh. my car Acid in. Rain again. <laughs> I think one thing that's interesting, uh, just to quickly finish on uh, the setting and the world uh, and cyberpunk in general, I think one thing they didn't uh, that didn't kind of turn out how they imagined is the gang culture. Mm. Gangs are such a huge part of cyberpunk, uh, both this version of it and many iterations of cyber of cyberpunk uh, media, and in our world, like these street gangs and and things that was such a big part yeah. of 80s and 80s culture and 80s movies have actually kind of gone away to a yeah. degree. I, I think that's grown from like more militarised policing yeah. um, styles, which is something that's happened even here in Australia. There are say. things as like uh, funded gangs as well. Sure. Like, you know, a lot of, lot of governments getting into bed with, with bikey gangs and sort of going, okay, here's... We don't like you, but here's uh, ways that we police you at the same time and give you certain liberties. So it's kind yeah. of like, you know, you stay to your territory, we stay to ours. Bit scary, Yikes. yeah. <laughs> but I think that's something that's really fun about this particular world is that the, the gangs are pushed to the... They're dialed up to 11, they're crazy, they're weird, mm. and they're everywhere. Yeah. They rule the night. They've got a whole section of the city that's basically given over to them. And that's, They've got gives, wacky themes. Yeah, yeah. It gives them a real kind of danger to them. I like it. So moving on to role-playing, uh, I think it's uh, kind of interesting for audience to find out uh, what our history with role-playing is and where we come from. Uh, me personally, I didn't get into tabletop RPGs until I was uh, a full-blown adult. 
Um, yes, uh, until I really? was past. Sorry, like this is news to me. Twenty twenty two. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, so I I really uh, had, had heard about lots about D and D growing up, and I really wanted to, to to try some. And I started to meet some people. I was over here in Australia who would, who were into it. Um, my very first game, I think I joined a group at a local card shop, like a trading card shop, and it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, no. the, was it good for you at the time? Did you yeah, think? I mean, uh, uh, at the reckon, time yeah. I could see that it was terrible. Oh, right. um, yep. uh, it was mainly in the way the DM ran it from the book. It was the goblin moves two squares and throws a, a potion at you. And it was very boring. Huh. And I was like, huh. I could give this way more flavor. I could make the goblin snarl at you nastily as he pops out behind a rock and hurls a potion through the air. Mm. It's noxious smell uh, growing as it, as, it, as it closes in on you. right? And I was like, wow, I could do this. I could tell this story in a way that's way better. So it, for me, it was a real revelation to, to um, have someone do it badly. Because <laughs> <laughs> it inspired me to do it well. Yeah. Um, that's exactly why I, I got... The thoughts about doing baby beard in the first place, listening to podcasts and going, ha, huh, I can I can do this better. <laughs> Since then I've played a whole bunch of games from the White Wolf series, uh Mage, uh, a little bit of Changeling and Vampire, played some of the wilder games like uh, Exalted, which is all about being demigods in an anime universe. Um Jesus Christ, that sounds awesome. <laughs> it's an interesting game. It's, yeah, I think it's burdened down by too many too many rules right so it's a little hard to it's a little esoteric to get into and the law is like a giant it's a big home mm. yeah it's crazy but uh it, it, it it's uh kind of notable for its ambition I yeah i'd say i've played some D, had lots of fun with that um and uh probably my favorite game to run before this is a game called dark heresy which is based on warhammer 40k mm. ah. uh chris has actually been in a game i've written uh, i've ran for that um dark heresy uh and we had a lot of fun <laughs> Um, so I, I just love being part of collaborative storytelling. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a really, it's almost like a lost art. Mm. I like to imagine this may be completely wrong that, that way back when people would sit around fires and make up stories and the chip in different parts of it. Mm. Um, I like chip in, Hey, Hey. uh, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe you just had one guy who knew all the stories who would come to the pub and tell you all the stories in a long sequence. But But I think maybe people just made up shit together. I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, you even see that in just, maybe we don't have a big round the campfire storytelling, uh, culture as such, but you get that, you know, I've heard so many stories. I was there at the first iteration of it. Something as simple as this happened to me today. And I have heard that retold yeah. and everyone puts their own spin on it. It's becomes this Chinese whispers game of, of our own everyday folklore, basically like that. And that's how it started. This was the story of what happened to this person on that day. And it just gets like, you know, spun and everyone chips in and adds their own thing to it, which I think is, you know, it's magical. Yeah. Well, do you want to say into like what your experience with role-playing games is? Oh man, none. <laughs> That's cool. It's <laughs> really nice to have fresh players. All. I mean, I'm not fresh, fresh. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a little, uh, I think my first ever role-playing is D&D, uh, have a campaign. Um, it's fifth edition. And I've just kind of started with a character who is super dumb She's obsessed with kind of like getting paid, getting sexed, and that's about it. She's very surface level, so yeah. I thought that was a great jumping in point. Like some characters 
don't have a dark backstory. <laughs> Sometimes they're just there because they're bored and this is the only way for them to, you know, fulfill the have a little bit of meaning in, in sure. their life. Um, so about that's pretty much it for me. Uh, I'm an actor. I think we've we've all got performing background mm. in some way or another. Um, and so I thought it's the same as what we've been saying. It's seen a lot of content and went, what could I add to this? You know, yeah. have people been approaching this from an acting background? Not that you need it, but maybe it would add something else, you know? Sure. Um, and I think there's there's something nice of just about really getting your teeth in and yeah. kind of, you know. I think a lot of what people struggle with often when they're first starting role playing is stepping into character. Oh, definitely, and yeah. speaking in character can be extremely daunting. Um, and, and can be a little bit awkward for people sometimes, especially if they're playing a character that's wildly different from yeah, themselves. And so I, strong archetypes like you were talking about are, are like, if you're listening to this, you haven't played role-playing role playing game before and you ha- and you and you are thinking about it, go for strong archetypes, yeah. something you know, uh, something that has simple motivations. Yeah. It's not a cop-out and it's a great way to get started. Because my character's really dumb. I can just really fall back on that and yeah. be like, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris... So if you've been only playing role playing games Phil since the when you in your 20s yeah. that means I've been playing role playing games longer than you which yes. is news to me Chris outranks you <laughs> I, That's right in, Do you want my no, chair no, Please no no Senior you, you Chris. put in so much work I I couldn't imagine the the amount of work you've put in is is amazing already uh, but no I've been playing role playing games since I was 8 far wow. out So Jeez. my cousins Bought a copy of Baldur's Gate, hmm, the cool. the isometric uh, role playing game uh, for PC, and played it. And then we went, oh, there's a system under this, mm. and stripped second edition D and D from the video game into pen and paper, and then cross pollinated that. We took it to school and we cross pollinated it with. Um, do you guys remember like the series of books, the Red Wall? Yes. About knights and animals and stuff. Yeah. So we turned that into a role-playing game. Cool. Did you not have the internet or something? No. No, no, we did not. Um, This was the late 90s in Australia. Yeah. In in like just in the country, basically. Ah, Yeah. Um, I see. I see so now we, the route. So we, we stripped out the Baldur's Gate system and turned it into a, a pen and paper game. And then from there... I've gone through second edition. We actually managed to get the books for second edition. Uh, we went back to first edition. We did 3.5, fourth edition, Dark Heresy. Uh, and then I've been LARPing and running a national LARP for about, I ran it for about a year. Uh, but and, I ran a what local is LARPing for what people live action role play. Um, it's where you walk and talk as your characters. You don't hmm. just describe the action around a table. Adelaide actually had a very large, uh, long-running uh, Vampire the Masquerade LARP. Yes, uh, we did. Called City of Churches. City of Churches. Um, I wasn't part of that one. I came into a game after that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I ran that chapter, uh, a chapter of that here uh, for about three years. Uh, and yeah, so I've been role-playing for too long. <laughs> so <laughs> this is my swan song. That's uh, retiring. Right. Checking out. This. It's a, been a great career of role playing. I've made no money in it at all. Can you tell us a little bit about um, either um, your experience uh, DMing and and um, how you that alters your perspective on playing, or what you've what you've kind of learnt uh, playing, what it's brought to your your life? Yeah. So I think for me, the the kind of golden rule of role playing games is 
the book informs the play style and the players inform the play style as well. So yep. like for people who know, like fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons has like a very kind of like square by square, inch by inch battle strategy yep. kind of combat system to it. So you can't kind of play a cyberpunky sort of style to that. Like mm-hmm. it informs a play style. Yeah. Like similarly, like I don't think it's very like cool to to do that with a, a loosey goosey kind of game where you know you're like counting inches and stuff like that in a in a game that's being largely described in people's imagination mm. so like for me role-playing games have kind of made this wonderful thing where i'm like okay what do people want to talk about what do people want to make mm. uh and what's the best way to do it like how do we collaboratively come together and make a cool thing mm. um it's a really good point because the gameplay is not there for nothing like that, it's, yeah everything informs the story or tries to anyway inform the story. It's the same as video games. They don't, you know, if you're in a, if you're in a horror game and they haven't given you any weapons and it's very kind of stealth and hide, they've done that for a specific reason. And it forms the way you approach and play the game. Game design, basically. Like simple game design. Like the system informs the story. Because it does. I think that's what some people um, uh, miss a little bit. Uh, more more tips for novice role players, I guess, is that the numbers and the dice are there to inform the story being told. They are not the story itself. Yeah, they the don't game do is that not for the me because I'm bad with math. <laughs> 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 I've literally rolled something and just had to like stare at it stare for, at <laughs> it for at least twenty seconds before the DM comes over me. Excuse me, what number at, is that? Looks at the numbers, does the math for me, and goes. Yeah, you, you did good. <laughs> that thing you wanted to do, you did it. You I'm did like, it. Oh, great. <laughs> so, yeah, don't don't let the numbers get in your way. Yeah. Uh, they are there are means to Never. an end. That's right. I think <laughs> 10 plus 10 is 20. Yes, <laughs> you got it. I don't even, it doesn't even get in my way at all. <laughs> I just brush past it. It just slides right past you. Um, what about you, Sean? Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's going to be a lot of the same answer, isn't it, from before. It's I've, I've got... Very 20 years minimal. experience. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I am 45. Got I great skin. first got introduced to the, uh, even just the idea of like the D&D in that world. I used to play Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance for the mm-hmm. PS2, which was this, for my for my money, was an amazing game. And I really wanted this to get my two brothers and play it as a four player and love the idea of leveling up and going to the dungeons and seeing the dragons and the monsters. And I thought, oh, this is a really cool concept. Having no idea that it stems from a tabletop um, system. Like the idea of role-playing just didn't compute in my 10-year-old brain. And then, you know, movies would come up. I mean, more recently, you see Stranger Things has kind of put it's it back in, in mm. the in, in kind of the public uh, mindset now. is going, oh, that's right. It's a thing. It's kind of, I don't know whether that's moved the needle in bringing it back or not um, from a mainstream perspective. But over the past couple of years, I think, so all of us went to the same acting school. And um, I believe my first foray into uh, D&D in general was uh, with a game with you, Chris. Was that your first game? Yeah. 100%. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, uh, running a D&D game with a bunch of actors is one of the most interesting experiences. <laughs> like, like, I've played with actors, but I've never played a game entirely with actors. Yes. Really? It's a time. Um, God, that was your first time? Yeah. So I've, I've, I've now, up until this point, I've played D&D on three separate occasions and we only did one session and we all never returned. 
So wow. I've started three different stories and never gotten past the first session. It's like if we did today and then just never returned. We just broke the for campaign. lunch and then just never. I'd be like, yeah, that's how D&D works. That's how <laughs> role playing works in general. You just roll a character, uh, do their intro and then walk away. Uh, and you never awful. have a resolution. That is awful because doing all the rolling and sorting out your character is the most it tedious takes time. Some people freaking love it. Really? Some people just yeah. make I, endless characters. I do never too. Get I, I've yeah. really adored the character making process and actually, you know, bogging down. Like it's so hard to start, but then as soon as you get that one idea, you yeah. roll that thing, that kind of snowballs and it's... What a lovely segue, Sean. Can you <laughs> yeah. tell us about your character and, and the concept for them and how you came up with it? Yeah, sure. So um, I, although I haven't uh, had much of a knowledge in the area, I do love the idea of noir. And I love the idea noir. of the noir. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so I was looking through a lot of these characters. I thought, ah, the fixer, you know, I don't want to be like a big barbaric brood. I don't really want to be the combat heavy guy, but I'm not intelligent enough to be a net runner or a techie or things that require just a lot of techie fandangling. And I thought, ah, the idea of a fixer really appeals to me. Someone that lives in the shadows and gets to just be a bit more anonymous and autonomous in what he does. So for those listening who are not like fully versed in, in cyberpunk uh, law a fixer is yeah so uh, fixer is one of the nine um, different play, play types you can uh, yeah. be and a fixer is a person that get thing gets things done basically if you need something found if you've got information that you need to draw out or buy or sell or you need to find someone or you need to do a thing a fixer is the person you can go yeah. to fixes the the guy on the ground or the, the the person on the ground that just knows where everything is, how to get things done, and can get you things. Yeah, I mean, uh, more recently in the news, you had uh, 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 Michael Cohen uh, is was Trump's fixer, <laughs> so yeah. it is a, is a, a popular parlance as well. So that might be a little root in for people, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I, and and junk in particular. I yeah. So junk, I I, I kind of um, put him in under this idea that information is the root of all power for a, for a person like junk. He understands that it's not how much you own it's not who you know necessarily it's not you know your wealth or or even sex or anything like that or the biggest gun it's what you know and it's how you can use that so your character grew out of the philosophy and the worldview kind of first and yeah that, the that's details absolutely it's yeah. like when i when i was thinking about the idea of a fix i wanted to have like kind of a almost like a mantra or a motto that kind of roots the character and how they operate and like what drives them. Mm. And that, and that was it. It's information and how information can be utilized and how it can be used as a weapon for, for sure. good or for ill. And uh, does, it, does junk have a little affectation worldview, anything you'd like to kind of share that's a particular uh, like detail about the character you've made that you really want to highlight? Yeah, so Mr. Junk, um, as far as anyone uh, knows, popped up onto the scene two years ago. Um, he's a, he's he, he came as a grunt, but, you know, Junk is just, it's kind of like Cher. There is no last name. It's just <laughs> Junk. Um, and Not yeah. where I thought you were going with yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, Junk, just think Cher and you've got Junk. Yeah, um, okay, right. No, he, he, only po- he literally only popped up into people's conscious minds two years ago. No so one knows an, where he was before that. An unknown quantity. Yes. I, I know that when we were developing some early concepts, uh, mystery and and having something to uh, be discovered or hidden from yeah, the, other players. That's is the hook really for, that I really love. Is it's for me? It's always about like you know the the story. Funnily sure. enough, I know we did a we did a D and D game a while ago where I was saying to Chris, who was um DMing at the time, I said, "Can we do it where not everyone just meets at the same time? Can we?" 
you know, spend an hour or two hours just meeting all the other characters and seeing how the story weaves them all together rather yeah. than just you meet in a tavern. Yeah, that's um, right. That that sort of stuff really, if for me, whether it's video games or tabletop, it's I love the world building aspect. That's cool. what really gets me going. And having a bit of mystery is, is a really good hook into that. 100%. Cool. So, so uh, listeners, look out for see if you can figure out what's going on with Junk as we get into the game. Uh, and what little what things he might be hiding would be a, a, a fun thing to follow along. Uh, Chris. Mm, Uncle Bob. Bob. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Uncle Bob. Uh, so I don't want to give too much away uh, for listeners who have um, read the Transmetropolitan comics. You might, it might gallop away and uh, the, the archetype that I'm playing might, might run away from you. So yeah. it might spoil a bit. So I won't say too much about him. Okay. Other than to say that Uncle Bob is a radio <laughs> DJ. He runs a morning uh, breakfast show uh, called Wake Up Night City, and that's at Bite Radio, which is uh, a uh, like a pirate radio station. Yes, which it's is a, something yeah. we've created for this for the for the show. That's right. Um, and uh, he uh, he's an eccentric sort of man, um, often whacked out on some nasty chemicals. Drugs. Um, and uh, I don't know why I did it in that voice. Drugs. drugs. Yeah, you can uh, say the word drugs. Drugs. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. No, we'll get demo- <laughs> yeah, that's what it, iTunes demonetized. Will, demonetized. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, he's, a, he's an eccentric sort of fellow uh, wearing a, uh, what does he wear? It's a green. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Green overall. Uh, no, it's a, a it's a lime green jumpsuit. Yeah, no, uh, with fantastic pink overalls. Yeah, uh, and then a, a bright yellow fanny pack. He looks like a bit like uh, Mario. I was going to say a crazy acid. Mario. Yes. Yeah, he looks like a very out. early nineties. Like very confusing. What you the picture you've just painted for me? He's a confusing yeah. man. Because you have jump, green jumpsuit, jumpsuit, pink overalls, and overalls over a jumpsuit. Yeah. Yes. With a yellow fanny pack. Wild. Yeah. Right. This is With a future. yellow fanny pack. But that's, that's isn't that kind of what Mario looks like? He's got a full red. Like, because it's not a shirt. It's not Mario's a shirt. Wearing. No, no it's goes not. The whole Don't know why like, we're talking about Mario. Mario. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with the uh, overalls over the top. It's perfectly normal. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone uh, dresses like Mario. What's that's that? right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, he's a he's a strung out um, drug user who runs a radio station, a radio morning show. Cool. Cool Let's talk about Cassie Cass. Glass. Cassie Glass. So she's a rocker. Um, ever since sixteen, she's kind of been bouncing around trying to make trying to make music. Not a good childhood there. 
Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say not good music. No. <laughs> um, she's played with reinventing herself a lot. She's got a bit of a, a you know, personality crisis, uh, but it's also a way that she feels like she can protect herself. Uh, I was really, yeah, just inspired by a lot of the the 80s. We had this big thing of subcultures going on. Mm. You know, you had the prep and the, you know, very stylized it's Breakfast Club, right? You look at yeah. the, all the five people in or six people in Breakfast Club, however many it is, and they're all... Yeah. They're all youth archetypes, aren't they, right? They all represent a, a, exactly. a subculture. And look, <laughs> uh, basically what I did is I saw Gem and the Holograms. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I realised later after I made the character, I was like, that's Gem and the Holograms. <laughs> like, she's got this tech and she's able to reinvent herself to try and keep herself safe. So, you yeah. know, we've got the real kind of cast. She's got a bit more bite to her. Um, she's a bit more punk at heart, but then she has the ability to go high gloss, high pop, uh, corporate owned. So I think she's constantly walking a line of, uh, you know, being true to herself and like being true to the scene at the same time of playing a part in a bigger picture. Well, I think it's worth, worth quickly mentioning that rockers in, uh, cyberpunk 2020, have a bit more of a active social role than yeah. than maybe musicians of today yeah. um, or even of the eighties. I think they've they've taken what kind of eighties musicians were about and again mm-hmm. try to dial it up and say actually uh, musicians are the the heart of a counterculture. Yeah, they, they command a following um, to have like a fanatic degree where they can actually get those followers to do crazy things to do and things enact and their to will. feel things as yeah. well hmm. in this world where you know it's grim there's not yeah. a lot left uh and the I, sean you talked about having a key phrase i think cassie has a phrase that is basically i can save the world it's not true like you know, yeah. she can't <laughs> save the world but what she might she, not even be able to save night city no, do you know but what, I mean? what no. she does when she's on stage she feels like she's saving, saving the, the world, world. Yeah. saving the lives of the people who are there, even if it's just in that song, just for a moment. She's like, I, I, we can do things. We can feel things. They may own our bodies, but they don't own us, if that makes sense. There's more. It's more interesting, there. like, you know, what does it take to make people to care in this world, care enough to, you know, incite revolution? Yeah, yeah. that's right. There yeah. is a, there is a, a to, to kind of wrap it in a nice kind of bow, there is a really uh, 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 lovely thread of, of revolution and uh, imminent change mm-hmm. that exists in 2020. Um, some of the supplementary materials really try and push referees towards like, hey, this these guys are the start of a movement. They're start of some change. They want to see the world as it is um, uh, uh, alter for the better in their favor. Um, and I think it's fun to, to kind of run around in the cyberpunk world mm. and uh, maybe be a trauma team or whatever uh, and do your job. But there's also an even bigger satisfaction, I think, in starting to maybe try and wrestle back the reins of the world yeah. and, and look at a slightly kind of bigger picture, which I think is a great thing for to have a, a rocker in your group to do, to yeah. have that ambition. Uh, is there anything else anyone else wants to say about themselves, what to look out for in the game or cyberpunk in general? I don't know if I'm preempting what you're going to say, but do we want to give uh, listeners an insight into what going mainstream is going to be? Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, without giving too much away yeah. because you can just listen jump in. to it. Please. <laughs> listen to the story. Please do. 
Um, uh, going mainstream is uh, uh, about a bit of a, a heist um, or, or prank uh, uh, on uh, one of those... Um, dastardly corporations. Dastardly corporations. <laughs> I don't want to give away too much more no, than no, that. I think that's the hook that um, we need. Just yeah, a heist gets people... Yeah, Everyone loves yeah. a good heist. It should, mm. uh, should be nice and, and tense and uh, should build to a nice head. So We're going to wreck some so. shit. We're going to destroy some status quo. We're going to fuck <laughs> the system, man. Okay, yeah, Uncle Bob. Right. Uncle Bob, calm down. <laughs> Uncle Bob's ready. He's king. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy uh, Cyberpunk 2020 uh, going mainstream. We've been Babybeard. I'm Phil. I'm Ellen. I'm Chris. And I'm Sean. Uh, we'll catch you around. Find all of the episodes for Cyberpunk and all of our other podcasts on uh, Spreaker, iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, and any other podcatcher. If you like what we do, please rate and review us. We'll see you in Night City, Chumbas. Bye. I've got a. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 You have been listening to Going Mainstream, which is a Roll to Cast production. The best way to find us is on Twitter, Discord, and our Patreon. All our podcasts are on Acast, Spotify, YouTube, and all good podcatchers. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Roll to Cast. Cyberpunk 2020 and all associated properties are trademark of our Telsorian games. Used with permission. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.